What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio, in partnership with Showtime. Two world champions, they happen to be twin brothers. Well, the ingredients are there. Two guys who love to sit down to their punches and throw that firepower. I'm not scared of nobody, and I'm definitely not scared of someone who talks to me. There's no one in the division that can beat me. There's no one in the division that's strong as me. It would definitely deliver a statement. The power is for real. We would get a chance to let everyone in the world see the great things that me and my twin brother has done for the sport of boxing. Being on the same car gives us energy. We want to be sharp. We want to be at our best. We're going to both meet in the middle of the ring and we're going to let our hands go. Let the best men win. They are boxing. And they pound for pound. There's no better place to get all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. And to keep things exciting, DraftKings has millions of dollars in cash and prizes up for grabs right now. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code SMOKE. For a limited time, new users have a chance to win millions of dollars in prizes. Enter code SMOKE to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code SMOKE, only on DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back. Man, we're here. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Make sure, make sure. Oh, nice and dry. What's up, my brother? Good to see you, man. Missed you, dog. Man, it's been a minute. Welcome back, man. Season two of All the Smoke. I'm happy we're finally back. It's been a hiatus. Yes, sir. The world has changed since we last got together. 
So our laughs is needed. Laughs and our realness and it's maybe needed. some cries yeah. and some anger. It's going to be all that this season. I'm excited. So this is just our welcome back episode, man. We can kick off with a, an amazing guest next week. But right now, you guys are just fucking with us. Yeah. So sit back and enjoy. Man, let's get right into it. The world changed Memorial Day weekend. That was the weekend that, unfortunately, someone very close to you lost his life for the world to see. And I think what made this particular in incident different was normally, unfortunately, when there's police brutality against blacks, they're shot and it's a quick death. Now, like I said, that's unfortunate, but it's, it is what it is. I think for nine minutes, the world watched this man suffer. The world watched this man beg for his life. We watched him call for his dead mom. Like my mom is dead. I couldn't imagine what kind of pain he had to be in to call for someone he knew that wasn't there. And I think the fact that we saw this for nearly the length of an NBA quarter changed the minds of some, not all, but changed the minds of some. And that was the beginning of hopefully a new America. Talk to me what it was like, you know, obviously first and foremost knowing him, but then getting out to Minnesota and you kind of taking the, the role you took, because I know it was very unexpected. It changed my life, of course. I mean, um, I'll just go back to the beginning. I was in high school and a friend of mine named Telly, he was back and forth in Houston and uh, in my hometown, Port Arthur, it was like an hour away. And he was like, man, I got a friend named Floyd. Man, y'all might have the same daddy. Man, y'all motherfuckers look dead. And I'm like, huh? Oh. I'm just playing basketball, not really listening to him. You know, Telly was doing his thing out there on the court. He was like, I'm going to bring him back, I'm telling you. And uh, he brings him down. And as soon as I see him, our first words to each other was, who your dad? <laughs> who your dad? You know, and, and from that moment, we called each other twin. And, and, and during the course of time, you know, we lived two different lives. He definitely lived the street life. But I, at the same time, that could have been you if it wasn't for easily, basketball. That, exactly. See, as I say, I was blessed to have more opportunity. I say that all the time. That's mm -hmm. the only difference between me and him. Right. I had, a, I had opportunities. And trust me, you know, just mm -hmm. like everybody, I was going down that same mm -hmm. path. Still when you was in the but league. when I get to right. talk about Josh Pastner is mm -hmm. the reason why I didn't mm -hmm. go down that. But um, we end up becoming close. Every offseason, I go to Houston. He the first person I pick up. We mm -hmm. hang out, shop, do everything together. Me playing basketball, we kind of lost contact at times. But um, we spoke at least once or twice a year. I had talked to him right before he moved to Minnesota. You know, he had, we had went there some time, came home, and uh, wanted, wanted to change his life. And we have daughters the same age, Gigi and Sky the same age. So we used to always talk about our kids. Mm -hmm. He was going to Minnesota because he wanted to get out of the environment. You know, sometimes you just got to change the environment to change your life. Mm -hmm. And his heart was always in the right place. He just could never could get his environment to match his heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he felt like going to Minnesota was the Fresh chance. Fresh start. Fresh start. Why he meant so much to me is because you have a lot of people, when we have success, that call you for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. that abuse our friendship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And with him going to Minnesota, he could have called me for anything because you know I would have done it for him. This is the only person I consider my twin. He called me and asked me for clothes for job interviews. Different. But it, it blew my mind, right. you know what I mean? And I saw the change in him, right. you know what I mean? Because we talked about so much stuff. He wanted to be fly, he wanted to, fl to floss and all that, but for him to call me and say, all I need is clothes for job interviews, mm -hmm. I knew his mind was different. Mm -hmm. I knew he was thinking different. I knew he, he went to jail and rehabilitated himself. Right. So to, to see how it ended up. How did you find out? I was actually uh, asleep on the, on the couch with Sky. And my girl, and Tammy, her mom, mm -hmm. my girlfriend, she's from Minnesota. Okay. Her family lives in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. She sent me the video. Mm. 
and I'm, you know, I'm half asleep, and I look at it, I kind of just like breeze through it because we talk about it all the time. I didn't but really, not I, realizing who it was. Or what didn't, was I didn't even right? look at it like that. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just another black man getting killed by police. You know, I kind of laid back down next to the sky, and I just, my eyes was open, so I just started scrolling through my phone, and I got like 50-some messages. And I hit the message from my homeboy, Mike D, and it says, you see what they did, your twin in Minnesota. Mm. And uh, when I saw the message, it just correlated the message that my girlfriend mama had something. Mm -hmm. And it just fucked me up because I seen myself down there. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's just, I didn't expect it to be him. Right. And I just, I was, I got mad, you know me, I started throwing stuff. And uh, I just had to get myself together, bro. It's tough, it's tough. It was a situation, I mean, similar to the way you looked at it. I didn't look at the message, I didn't look at the video for like two days. Cause I just, I, I saw it from the beginning and I'm just like, damn, like another one? Like I don't even feel like, like I don't wanna fuck my whole day up because you and I are very similar. Like I'm gonna post it, I'm gonna say something you're gonna do the same thing. So I, I avoided the situation for two days. And then I looked at the video and like I said, the one thing that stuck to me was the length that it happened. And then knowing that my mom is dead and, and another man's mother is dead and he called out to her, I was like, damn, like that. See, what people don't know is, as a man, especially a black man, you are not screaming your, for your mother unless you know you at your last breath or you were helpless. Are you helpless? I remember as a kid, when I, I got into a fight and, and I had never been arrested, but being in police handcuffs scared me so much that I was screaming for my mama. She couldn't do nothing, mm -hmm. but I was screaming for her because I was so terrified because I'd never been arrested. We only do that when last we have no last other- Last resort. The last resort, And then on bro. top of that, to know she's dead, too. One thing that really has bothered me, and I think it really was highlighted in the George Floyd situation, but all these, because he was not the first, he, wasn't, he hasn't even been the last, unfortunately, there's been several since him, is the first thing they want to do is find a reason why it's okay. Well, he did this, or he did that, and like you just touched on, he had been down. You know, that shit happens to people, but he was trying to rehabilitate himself. He called you not for money, but for some suits, for job interviews. You know what I mean? But the first thing people want to do to justify this bullshit is in second grade, he did this. Trying to demean in high school, he did that. You know what I mean? Just it, because at the time these cops are killing these people, they don't know these people's track record. Right. They could be churchgoers, they could be vegan yoga people, or they could have some criminal background, but at the, like you don't know that. But tell me how you ended up being front line, because next thing I know, I, I'm seeing you literally front line, and I'm just like, okay, shit, here we go. You know, as, as basketball players, bro, it's, it's not too much that we don't feel we can control. True. I felt helpless, dog. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I felt helpless. I was mad. I was angry. I wanted to hurt somebody. I just wanted to do something. Having common sense, I knew I couldn't do nothing stupid. Right. So what could I do to, to make an impact? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What could I do to show people my frustration and show that this has to stop? In the midst of my tears, man, I just feel like, you know what, I got to go down there and make my presence known and stand for Georgie. And that's what I did, man. I uh, got with my publicist, set up a press conference. I had some powerful people with me, Tamika Mallory and so many other people, Trey, my son, Bun B. I had a lot of people with me. I didn't know the magnitude of what was going to stem from it. You know what I mean? I had no, no clue what was going to happen, but I was just going down there, man, to let people know that Georgie has somebody right. that's going to speak up for him. You know, 
in so many cases where people didn't have anybody to speak Well, they do. For. They just don't have the platform. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. So the media will demean this character and, then, and something else will happen and it'll get swept under the rug. But this didn't. You know what I mean? I, you spoke. And, and that was my whole point mm -hmm. for going down there. You know what I mean? Because I knew, like you said, I knew they was going to try to demean his character. But I knew I had to be the face for him. And not only that, I knew we looked alike. Yo, so man, you literally got the face for him. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I said, when, when you see me, I want you to see him. You know what I mean? And like I said, a lot of things stem from Real me, quick, how did you guys get the same size and shape nose, though? I don't know. You guys picked them shits out or something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got the same nose, bro. I don't know how that happened, man. Man, rest in peace, George. Yeah, man, miss you, Georgie. But the people in Minnesota was happy to see me there because not only was I there crying for my brother, but I inherited so many other mothers' pain who don't have a Stephen Jackson to speak up, mm -hmm. speak up for them. Hardell Sherrell, a kid that had a pre-existing pre condition, they, they arrested him, put him in jail in the cell for eight hours. Now, he told them he needed to see a doctor before they put him in the cell. They left him in the eight hours. It's on camera. You can see him going through it. They just let him die. The mom finds out she has nobody to speak for him. She calls the police station. They won't even answer the calls or give her. She got the footage, but they won't even give her give her no explanation of what happened. As we were walking out the press conference, Matt, she's on the corner by herself. This old lady with a sign crying for her son. Mm -hmm. I have to be the voice for her. Right. You know. So this is all the stuff that's coming from me going down there and speak for him. And I've never thought I'd see an actual ride. I never thought I'd get out a car and people go crazy and just want to stand there and fight with me. Like I've never seen nothing like what I seen in Minnesota, but I think Minnesota had to respond that way. Mm -hmm. Because the guy who actually murdered my brother has 16 other citations that he, that he was up for. So it's been other murders and, other, and, and a whole bunch of stuff done by police in Minnesota way before Georgie that they upset about. So I'm glad they responded like that and they have been leading and, and, and making change. Right. Been, they, there's a lot of changes happening in Minnesota and I hope a lot of states you know, follow suit. Well, if you think about it, I mean, this was a protest. I mean, protests happen normally in, in certain cities, urban cities. This is something that, that, that went across the whole United States and how many countries? 16, 13? 18 countries. 18 all countries, all 50 states. Like, this was the one. And for you to be frontline, uh, the leading face, the leading voice in it. Obviously, like you mentioned, there's other people who were there, and, and, and but, but for an athlete to be that and, and do that, what was it like to really be out? Like you, you mentioned the mom sharing her story, but what was it like being in the streets? And, and, and obviously Minnesota hasn't been the only, like you've been on more of it. You've been traveling like you're back in the NBA. You're from city to city, march to march, charity to charity. What's that love like? Because I felt it before and I know how special it is when I'm marching with these people or I'm talking to a bunch of people. It's good because they really are leaning on you and feel you and looking for guidance. What was it like for you? Because like I said, you led one of the biggest protests or the biggest protest in the history of the United States. Well, I'm gonna tell you this, bro. It's, a, it's good and bad because you put a lot of smiles on people's faces when they see, as you know, when they actually see you, Matt, Thanks it makes the them believe that somebody cares. Mm -hmm. But then again, just like a couple weeks ago, I fed 4,000 families in my hometown. And this is where the hurt comes. You realize how many people need. Mm. And that's what really tears me down the whole time. Like, yeah, I, I love doing it and I'm going to keep doing it. But you realize how many people need, yeah, how many yeah. people are without. And this all races. 
Mm-hmm. This ain't just black people. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Especially when I go in these ghettos and neighborhoods, it's all races in these ghettos that's suffering, that's struggling, that need help, and that need to know that people care about them, dog. Right. So as I've been doing it, I've become more and more passionate because I see it in their faces. When they actually see us, me and Rasheed, it gives them hope like they really care about us. Like we just not being swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that passion is, is just growing in me, bro. You know what I mean? Because I know I'm helping people and mm-hmm. I'm doing God's work. What have you learned being out there and on the front line about equality and systematic racism and everything that we knew, but actually being in the middle of it and feeling it? What did you take and what did you learn from that? Well, a couple of things, dog. Um, I learned that everything that's going on, it was set up to go this way. Oh, yeah. It's not broken. This is the way it was meant this to be. Is, right, right. <laughs> and I, I understand, too, now, too, you know, how people are used to be saying, well, Obama didn't do this, Obama didn't do that. Well, I understand why he didn't. He couldn't. Because the system wouldn't let him do it. His hands were tied. Even though Obamacare was a watered-down version of what he wanted to do, and that's what people don't understand, man. It's way bigger. There's well, levels. Regardless of who runs for president, you still behind the scenes. It's you know heavy. what I'm saying? Still a system. Mm-hmm. But I also learned this too, man. I also learned this too. It's a lot of us that don't want equality. It's a lot of black people that don't want equality. You know I mean, what I mean? I mean it's more. It's, it's it's a lot of other races that stand with us, and it's more. We're fighting our own people man, too. Man, we've been doing that for us. Been our biggest weakness. Well, that's, that's the, what's making it harder. That's the first thing that people want to bring up. Well, if Black Lives Matter. Well, Black Lives Matter is against police brutality towards black people. Right. If Black Lives Matter, why are you guys killing each other? And and that's definitely an issue too. But it's an answer. It's, to, but it's, we know the answer to that. Come on, it's proximity. It's not black on black. It's white on white. It's but it's, it's the system. Kill. It's the system. That's if you set put up. all these men in here. And, and leave us in this room for a month and with one piece of chicken. We gonna get into it. But with then with the windows open, you can see just a, a buffet of everything out in front of you. You know what I mean? It's, it's the way the system is set up. Like you said, it's not broken. It's working how it should be. And that's what we have to try to help change is, you know, equality. But we have those answers, man. Equal opportunity. Black crime. Yeah. We have those answers. Mm-hmm. Spend the same money you spend in the suburbs mm-hmm. where it ain't no more ghettos, where it ain't mm-hmm. no more projects, where it ain't no more slums where when they walk out their houses, they don't have to go stand on the corner and fight over $10, but they both have businesses in that same neighborhood, and the money is circulated in their neighborhood. I guarantee you they're killing a stop. There's no question. But they know that, you but have they to don't come want that. to understand yeah, come on, it. Right. They want us to take each other out, but that's what we have to realize as a community, as a people, and, and like when we tell people to put the guns down, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working with a, a group in Sacramento called uh, Advanced Peace. And we work with frontline shooters. Like we work with the people who are doing the shootings or the people that are most likely to be shot. Mm-hmm. And we try to bring them to this program, 18 month program for nine months, you set goals and try to accomplish your goals. And then once you get to that 10th month, you can earn money up until the 18th month program until you graduate. So we're directly on the front line with people who are doing what we're doing. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter is something, but the, you know, Crime against killing each other is something that needs to change too. But my whole thing is like we can't expect, we can't tell people to put down guns or stop doing this because that's all they know and that's their only means. Mm-hmm. So if we're telling them to put these guns down, what do we put in their hands other than that? Are we putting computers? Are we giving them job opportunities? Are we giving them skills to make some money so they don't have they don't want to have to kill people? And you got to deprogram them from the streets. You can't just take them out of the streets and no. give them something else. You got to slowly deprogram them and pull them away from what they've been knowing their whole life first. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's the only way they can go forward. But knowing our power too, if we could ever come together, blacks and browns, and then like you said, we have plenty of other allies from other colors that are gonna Mm -hmm. jump on board, we can change the world. 
but there's too many of this instead of this. And hopefully, you know, now we can be a part of that change. We have been a part of that change. Hopefully we continue to make progress in that. Mm -hmm. I think we'll be five or six weeks out from voting. So that's going to be very important, uh, not just only on the federal level, but your local and state level, because we control the mayor, the DA, council members uh, for your local cities. That matters. Um, so, you know, voting on all levels matters. But it, now's the time. And what I tell people, too, is this shit didn't happen overnight. This right. has been 400 plus years of this. So the change we try to make today is that we aren't going to directly see the effect of the, the work we're putting in, but our children will. Right. And their children will. Because That's, like I said, yeah. the shit didn't change. It didn't happen overnight and it's not going to change overnight. So we got some work to do, man, but I, I, I'm up for it. I know you're up for it. And I'm excited mm -hmm. to move forward with it. Proud of you, bro. You've been doing some great work. Bro. You too, man. You too. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. 
Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Pivoting to a situation that hit in the midst of this, you got caught up in somewhat of a scandal with some anti-Semitic. When I first seen the situation, knowing you, I knew 100% all you were doing was backing up your people. Not necessarily knowing what the magnitude of it was, but you saw one of your brothers against the world and you were with them. And I knew from the, without even talking to you, I knew that's what you were on, but obviously that turned into a situation. And you were in right in the middle with all the work you, amazing work you had done, like you came to almost a crossroads where that could all have been wiped away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what did you, learn in the process of having to show people who you really are. When I started doing all the work in the streets and doing everything when I stepped up in Georgia and 18 countries and 50 states all protested, I was warned that a lot of things are going to come at you. They're gonna, your words are going to be twisted. It's going to oh, come yeah. at you a million different ways because you're standing for something that a lot of people don't want. I understood that. I was fine with that. What I've been doing before this situation was fighting for equality. The whole time. I get a call from DJ, or a text message, saying, bro, call me, call me. I was half asleep, so I didn't reply back. And he sends me uh, about four or five messages. And this, is, this was the actual, what he posted, uh, the, the quotes he posted. Didn't even read them. Mm-hmm. Half asleep. I wake up, big bro called me back. He sends me, I think I sent you the text message. He sends me the picture of what the Eagles posted. My reply right back to him was, I'm going to say I saw this and, re- and reply on this. Right in my text, man. I sent it to Shaq, too. So it was clear what I was talking about. You know what I mean? I wasn't even thinking about nothing else. I didn't even know nothing about what he posted. So I told him, I said, I'm going to defend you on that. Because they can't handle Riley Cooper different than the way that they handle you. That's not right. That's what I've been on. That's what I've been marching for. That's why I've been in the streets every day up until this actual incident. Mm-hmm. I was clear on what I said. Obviously, what he said... I should have read, but me personally, I don't have a hateful bone in my body. You know what I mean? So to even think that I'm saying something or defending somebody demeaning another race, everybody knows me. The only thing I, I, I regret about that is I could have I made it clear what I was saying. I've never had a history of racism to anybody. You wouldn't even know Stephen Jackson if it wasn't for a Jewish kid named Josh Pastner who's actually the head coach for Georgia Tech. He went to Arizona, right? Went to Arizona, but mm-hmm. he drove to my neighborhood Drugs being sold, I have no idea where my life going to give me an opportunity to play on this AAU team, which his dad gave him at 16. So the picture that was painting went away over my head. I didn't even think about it. But I understood how the, the, the hurt behind it and the people who I was cool with. You know, I had a conversation with them. They knew what I was saying, but mm-hmm. I still had to, you know what I'm saying, had to have the conversation. So I understand, but hurt is hurt regardless where it comes from. No, no it all comes you know I mean? so, from so, so I didn't need, to, I don't need to be taught to love somebody or to treat everybody the same because I've been that person just like I treat everybody the same. This was just a situation where my words were twisted mm-hmm. and the people that knew me knew what I was saying. So that meant more to me. Mm-hmm. Josh called me and he knew exactly what I was saying. Mm-hmm. That's who really saved my life. So by him knowing, that meant a lot to me. And uh, I just moved forward, you know what I'm saying? I, I continue being me. I don't mind having conversations with anybody. Because at the end of the day, man, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And I don't have a past history of hating nobody. So Mm -hmm. I just live by that. 
I think it's another situation to where, like you said, it, as good of the work you're doing in one field, there's people who don't like that. So automatically you become a target. I'm sure you got death threats when I started doing the Stephon Clark shit and talking against the police. I started getting death threats. I'm sure you got the same thing. So every day it's a situation where now everything it, we both are in a situation now because obviously we have the show we have. Like we really have to be calculated on and, and, and conscious of when we go into specific areas to really explain or just get our point across because it can, like you said, it can be taken, it can be twisted. You know, you were combating a, a situation with the way the team treated him, but then you got pulled into, because like you said, you didn't do your homework, which you right, should have, right. of what he actually said. You I know should've. what I mean? But like I said, the first thing I saw when I saw it was just like, first of all, like whoever knows Jack knows Jack. It was a tornado for a minute, man, but I'm glad you came out on the other side. Over this whole process, uh, uh, you know, since you've kind of taken the front line, uh, with the George situation, who were some of the people who helped you get through it? Because I remember talking to you, man, and I know you, you know what I mean? So I know when I, I was saying some shit to you, I know it was probably pissing you off, but I knew I had to say it. Who were some of the people you leaned on and in, in, in to just kind of get guidance? I remember one time I knew you were tired. I knew you needed to get some sleep, but you were just going. You like, like, bro, I'm tired. I can't even sleep. That's how tired I am. And I, you were smoking. I was just like, bro, before you can help anyone else, you got to take care of yourself. You know what I mean? And it's, like I said, this was a new process, a new situation for you, a new role in life for you that, that I think you've taken with tremendous honor. And it's been dope just to watch and see. But who were the, some of the people? Because I know you had some low points. Who were the, some of the people you leaned on during those low points? Well, I got to thank you. I mean, you know, like you said, though, but we got the relationship where we can tell each other what's, what we don't want to hear, what mm -hmm. is best for us. So right. I appreciate you. Yeah. During the whole time, I appreciate you, bro. Believe it or not, boss man, Steve Espinosa. Okay. I talked to him a lot during this during this time, um, but I, I I really relied on my normal people, Al, my partner Will, my girl, and Bun B. I think Bun B stepped up. I think when everything first came out, when and I first when I went to Minnesota, he texted me, "You suiting up for the biggest game of your career? Mm. I mean, mm. your biggest game of your life?" And I really didn't understand it. Then he came back with the next text message, said, "Everything you've been through in your life built you for this moment." I've been having great support, and like I said, I've been I got. Invited to talk to Trump, Biden, I turned all that down. Because, you know, that's, that's not me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The people that you need to talk to to get equality, you need to talk to them. I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have those answers. Mm -hmm. I'm a regular guy just like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I just got a big heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's been, a, it's been um, Jamie Foxx. He was real big. I think as soon as I was going to Minnesota, he came down and stood with me. You know, and uh, but uh, I have so many people reaching out to me to get Tamika Mallory. I love her. Thanks, dope man. That's my sister. She stood tall with me. Mm -hmm. man, there's been a lot of people, but at the end of the day, I still don't know what I'm doing, Matt, because I'm just leading with my heart. I'm just trying to do what's right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and nine out of ten times when you're trying to do what's right, and you and you letting your heart lead you, hopefully you're going the right direction. I feel it. I guess to tie all this up from being thrust with the George Floyd situation coming to your porch and from the beginning it was peace, love, and, and to your own admission, still kind of finding out what the fuck you're doing. You're just leading with your heart and love and you, and, and you don't see color, you see people, you see human beings, to being thrown right in the middle of um, the anti-Semitic quote that was made and then all of a sudden everyone thinks you have, that you're hateful and you don't like a certain community when in actuality, the people who know and love you know you and, and know what you were about and what you meant. What have you learned and how do you feel like 
we can come together as these two communities. You know, I know you went and spoke to a rabbi, mm -hmm. and you and I talked about that, although it was a good idea. It's just like you're talking to a complete stranger. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I think you kind of get more out of talking to maybe some people of that ethnicity that you know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you can have a real deep down conversation. But, you know, to never compare atrocities, obviously the black community has been through what we've been through, the Jewish community has been through what, they, what they've been through. How do you feel like we can come together as people? One thing that one things that bothered me was that I was put in that position where it seemed like, it seemed like I was standing on the side of hate, you know. And it it, it took a lot. It's, it 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 meant a lot for me to call the people that I knew, mm -hmm. you know. what I'm saying to mend those relationships, and and I, I understand people's hurt, you know. I understand other pe other people's pain, and and that's really what we all need to do sit down and have a conversation and understand each other's pain. I think that's where, that's where we fall in line and try to make the next person's pain more hurtful when pain is pain, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and to be honest, Matt, I've learned there's black Jews. It's a lot I've learned, but I just think it's just all conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and, and everybody that, that, that cares about loving the next person and understanding you know, it's just a conversation. And I've been having a conversation with a lot of people and I'm understanding people's pain. Yeah. And, and, and it's helping me be a leader to understand other people's pain. I think you said something that's really important though too is we will never experience the type of hate the Jewish community has felt. Right. But just like they'll never experience the type of hate that we felt. Right. So to be able to take yourself out of your, your particular situation, comfort zone, lifestyle, and try to at least have an understanding of what someone else has been through. And I think not even just those two communities, just overall. Period. The Asian communities had tragedy. The, the Latino community, I mean, across the board, the white community has tragedy. But just to understand that we may never understand exactly what they feel, but we want to. We want right. to have that type of understanding. We want to put ourselves in your shoes. We want you to put yourself in our shoes just to kind of see because before it was fuck it. That's them. That's, you know, we're us type situation. So be it. But, but to move forward, like I said, for the progress we want for our kids and their kids and their kids after that, it's going to have to be, you know, we're going to have to be more self-aware. We're going to have to really put ourselves in uncomfortable situations to try to understand what someone else is going through because you never know what someone is going through on a particular day that can make them do that. Right. You never know what's behind the scenes. So I think it's more of an understanding, a want to understand, and love. You know, it was crazy. A quick story when the George Floyd stuff happened, me and the twins were driving to practice one day. I had just got them back from their moms. I'm just like, you guys hear about what happened? It's like, yeah, we saw it. And Isaiah said, we saw yeah, a cop killed another black guy, huh? I was like, yeah. And I was like, well, what did you guys think about it? Just like, they didn't have to, then Carter's like, he didn't have to knee, they didn't have to have his knee on his neck that long. Does he hate him? Do all cops hate black people? I'm just like, no, not all of them, some of them, but it's just the world sometimes you have to understand that some people are gonna hate you because, particularly because of the color of your skin, it's unfortunate. So, but then I asked the twins, I'm like, do you think you're born to hate or taught to hate? And they take a second and think, and they're like, you're taught to hate, right? I'm like, exactly. So then I remember one of them one of them was just like, well, then we have to teach Ashton how to love. You know, Ashton's my little man. Yeah. And, that, and to me, it, was, it almost brought a tear to mind because it's that simple. It's, these are taught actions. To hate, you don't, no one is born to hate. We fill babies up with whatever we want to teach them, any kind of knowledge, hopefully more love than anything. But it's just hate is a taught. And if we, we'd all just take a step back and, and, and realize, I mean, I bet you you ask someone who hates 
another race. Why, why don't you like them? And they're going to give you a generic bullshit answer. Yeah, they can't give you no sense. real reason why. It won't make sense. You know, they can't give you no real, real, real reason why. And I hope that we can start getting past that. And, and like I said, be willing to put our, make ourselves vulnerable and, and put ourselves in other people's shoes. I mean, even with me, Matt, I, like, you know, I used to, my, my favorite saying is, like, I don't care what people think about me. You know what I mean? But I can honestly say today, I care because what I stand for right. and what I'm out here doing is to show everybody that I love them and care. So I want people to know that I love everybody. Mm -hmm. and care. I do care now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can actually say I care what people think about me now mm -hmm. because I want people to know I, I stand on love for all who have love for all. I knew that was going to be hard too because like I said, knowing you for as long as I knew and you've always been. I for everybody. You've got in your shit, but it's always because you have someone's back. Real quick before we get out of this because I, I want to get to, you know, sports and kind of where we're at with that because that's a whole other conversation. Where are some of the cities you've been to and, and, and plan on going uh, moving forward? My goal is to go to all 50 states. I even want to go to all 18 countries that, that stood for me because like I said, Matt, I've talked to people 80, 70 years old, they tell me, whatever, what you're doing, we've never seen. Mm. We've never had this moment. I just want to keep this going. I've been to Philadelphia, Chicago, I'm losing count, Detroit, Kalamazoo. I've been a lot of places and I'm gonna continue going because as you go from city to city, like I said, you continue to see how many people need and how many people need to know that it's people that care about them. We talk about standing together. We talk about bringing everybody together. Well, the people that need, the homeless people, they're a part of it too. They need help too. They're all a part of it too. So, you know, I, I just it's just a passion that grew inside of me. You know, God put me in this position for a reason. I'm just embracing it, bro. But I've been to a lot of states and I'm trying to reach them all. In closing, I think for the first time in 400 years, they hear us. Mm -hmm. Now we just have to understand, we have to come together and have a strategic plan in, in, in hopes of what we would hope to see. Probably not for us, but for our kids, but it's gonna take everyone. And, and something I'm excited to talk to you about because we disagree on it is just sports and should it be mm -hmm. played or not. But even sports is going to be a part of the solution. But people have to understand it's not just sports. It's going to take everybody to change something because sports didn't create racism. You can't put sports all the pressure on them. Yeah, sports didn't tell people to hate, you know what I mean? Right. Sports is gonna, hopefully going to be a part of the solution, but people have to stop looking at sports as like, you have to, it's going to take all of us to change this. Yep. And it's, gonna, it's not going to happen overnight. So I'm excited that we're going to continue to do our part for everybody and hopefully bring everybody together and make a, make a significant change. It was nice having football back this weekend. Lucky for us, it was just week one. There's no better place to get all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. And to keep things exciting, DraftKings has millions of dollars in cash and prizes up for grabs right now. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, go to the app right now because you don't want to miss it. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having the shot of winning millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012. So they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code SMOKE. For a limited time, new users have a chance to win millions of dollars in prizes. Don't miss out on week two's action. Enter code SMOKE to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code SMOKE, only on DraftKings. Let it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Pivoting to sports and as i mentioned we had completely different views on this on um, whether we thought that 
sports should be played. First of all, COVID hit and kind of changed everything. And then we both were right, though. Yeah, you're right. We both are right. We both have good reasons. You're right. Uh, so obviously, COVID hit and changed everything. And then the midst of COVID, uh, George happens. And now the NBA came into a situation where they wanted to try to bring sports back and created a bubble. And there was a lot of back and forth that should they play, should they not play. Talk to me about your thoughts and your stance on where it was. I jumped out there probably like a month before they even thought about going to the bubble saying, that they shouldn't play because I knew how big the game of basketball is to the world. And I knew the, the impact and the statement they can make. Me thinking, okay, I'm LeBron James. I get Kyrie Irving, uh, KD, five other players. We're not going to the bubble until these 10 demands are met, these 10 laws change, or these 10 policies change. You get those changed, we'll play. I guarantee you that would have been done in a heartbeat before they went to the bubble. That's just my thinking. And I, I, I felt like LeBron had that power. When you said that they can go down there and, and, and make a bigger impact by being on cameras, I didn't think about it at the time, and they actually done that. Mm -hmm. But it got to a point where I knew they were still murdering us. Regardless what was going on, they still murdering us. So mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be a point where mm -hmm. something was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. But I knew it was going to be a point where something else was going to happen to make them want to stop playing. That's why I was saying that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they did stop playing and went back and start playing again, mm -hmm. they took the power right back that they had. Mm -hmm. They gave it away. So my, my whole thing was just understanding the power that they had at the time. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and like I said, we ended up both being right. But I just, I just felt like they had the power to put everything and everybody's eyes on the issue at hand and not about basketball. See, I, and I came from a different point of view because you know that I am into politics and eventually want to be, um, you know, the mayor. Will be. Thank you. But knowing how policy works and how bills are passed and how ordinance are, are handled, knowing that it doesn't happen like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't give a fuck who wants it to happen. I don't care mm -hmm. if there's 10 LeBrons that want this to change. It's not going to be a fast process. So when I looked at the situation, <clears throat> I knew it was going to be a timely process and it was going to take, you know, a lot of people to do. But my thing is. LeBron, you're going to hear from LeBron, regardless, because he has a tremendous platform to get reach the world, but do you hear from everyone else? You know what I mean? Do you hear from the George Hills? Do you hear from the Van Pleats? Do you hear from, do you hear Doc Rivers' plea? If they're not in the bubble, you don't hear these individual mm -hmm. pleas, and I think when, when you have the logo behind what these guys are saying, the world travels further. Now, now, now granted, putting Black Lives Matter on the court and I, putting names said, on the back. I say that. I, yeah. said, I said that's all they was going to do. Yeah. And we've seen it before. That, yeah, and that's not, that, that's not enough. But after speaking to Chris Paul, I know they're trying to make some real, real significant change um, with these things. But like I said, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that was my whole thing of, that I wanted everyone to understand because it, they have the and we do we still do have the power. And I think we showed how powerful we were when they just decided not to play. And it was a domino effect, not only the NBA, Major League Baseball, mm -hmm. who's a predominantly white sport. MLS, I know they're not predominantly black. Mm -hmm. You know, football practices were canceled. WNBA didn't play. So I think it NASCAR. did, I think it did, it showed one thing, it, it showed our power. And I think everyone got mad, well, why just sit out one game? Why not sit out longer? I think we continue just to spread our message and we kind of have to wait and see. And, I, and I'll give you an example, and, and, and things have been done here and there, but when people jump to conclusions, why is Jay-Z 
doing what he's doing. And I still think what he's doing with the NFL is being worked out and we're going to start seeing. But anything that happens is not going to happen fast. And I think that people think because we're in a new situation and we have a voice that people are listening to that we can just make demands on it. Like you said, a situation that's not broken, that's working the way it's supposed to. But change a fucked up situation mm -hmm. like we can't just say we want this to change it doesn't work it doesn't like work that, like that right? you know and say like so that's why i've always said it's going to take all of us to do this shit because athletes didn't create although we have a lot of power and we're willing to help take on former players current players this battle we're going to need everyone what to if do black it. america shut down i think about that and and i think because i'm aware of how i grew up it's no, going to be some losses. Yeah. You're going to have to take some no, losses. No, it's going to be a lot. Of, but, but to me, it's we can it's afford. It's worth it. But we can afford. But can a, a, a single mom afford? That's what I'm saying. Can, it's, can, it's, can we? You know what I mean? So when you go me, to war, it's some casualties. I hear you. But like I said, I, I think there's people in the community that can handle it. But then there's going to be a lot of people who can't yeah. handle that. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of people can't afford to miss a check. And that's why when people yell at, well, you guys, it's all about this. It's all about that. You, you know firsthand, when we get in the NBA, we're not just taking care of our mom and dad and our brother and sister. We're taking care of a whole village of people. Oh, city. You know what I mean? And I know my first four or five years, I was broke every summer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So Six I just, me, you know what I mean? So because LeBron and Chris, <laughs> six for me, <laughs> I had because there's a certain, you know, I don't mean to keep bringing up names, but it, because a certain upper echelon of player can't afford the opportunity to miss a check or sit out or protest, not everyone can. Yeah. You know what but I mean? If so, everybody cared, the people that can could take care can, of everybody. Exactly. I feel but that. That's what but I go yeah. to say. Everybody don't like want this. equality. Everybody yeah, yeah. don't want equality. You can talk about it. And it's, it's, it's more black people than anything, bro. They always talk about it. I know so many people that say, man, if I was living back in the slave days, what I'd do, what I would You got the opportunity to do a lot right now, but you at home on Xbox. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's a fine line right now. And what I'm happy is everybody's been held accountable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. us. You know what I mean? And the only way we're going to get changes, we all come together. I think one thing sports can continue to do, though, like I said, is push the message, but really get these owners to start giving back. But that's who haven't been speaking up. None of them. I mean, excuse me, not none of them. A majority of them have not spoken haven't up. spoken up. You know what I mean? And for them, and we look at the number, they came together and put $300 million together for 30 teams. Do you think about it? for 30 billionaires, $300 million is not very much. You know, you're paying your two best players more than that each team should maybe come up with 100 million and put it in this pod and then have someone that oversights and helps these projects, the programs that are already started. You know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out here, but there are some groups of people who are on the ground doing this work. And Man, they you, need can, help. You, can put up, you can put up affordable, nice four-bedroom homes for 35000 Nice, with, with some of real nice houses, mm -hmm. and get people off the street. Get people out the projects. Do they want to do that, though? They, they don't want to okay. do it. They don't want right. to do it. So it can be to, done. Yeah, you're right. We're going to have to. Like I said, this I wish is going to I wish I had the billions. Give me a billion dollars, and I guarantee you I'll spend all of it, except probably a million or two. I'll spend a million for myself, but the rest of it, I'll give away, dog. I, I honestly will, dog. Because I know I will sleep better. I'll be happy. I, I will walk around this earth knowing that I help in poverty. That's a good feeling, man. You know what I'm saying? Who wouldn't want to feel that way? And the right. people that are in, in, in position to do it will not do it. It's a long, deep conversation. Uh, what would you like to see the NBA do more? You know, I got a chance to talk to my son, and I saw Tamika, and I see them out there, and we had a long, uh, he and I had a long conversation. You tapped in on, on Instagram. Uh, what would you like to see, not only the NBA, Mm -hmm. it's not just our job, but what would you like to see from sports? Because you know we do have a platform. You know we are, do have powerful voices. I would want to see guys actually out there in the streets 
touching the people, you know, letting the people see them there, you know. Makes a huge difference. So many people got money that can just send money, but actually being there physically, mm-hmm. letting them see you and, and your, your time is being spent with talking to them and, and giving them a hug or just bringing them groceries, that means everything to them people. It gives them another life, Matt, knowing that somebody cares, knowing somebody that has success is taking their time to come out to show them that they love them and they care, bro. That means everything. I just want to see them. I just want to see them more out in the streets. I know donating is good and money is good. We need that. We do, they need donations. But go out, just go out they one time. They need to see that hope. Yeah, go the, out the, one time. The look you see when, when you catch people off guard and they see you the first time and just the looks on their faces. Kids, just, man, you just now. Oh, yeah, just outside. Kids, grandparents, it's just like they light up. And if people realize how special that is, you know, because sometimes, you know, that's all someone needs to get through a day or get through an issue or get, you know, just to say I met so-and-so. or That spark. You know, when last time we was out here, people came by before COVID and you hit the joint. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, just I'm a little. Matt, man. I'm going to start me a podcast. So, Anything. I'm just telling you, man. That's how it works. Small hope. So there's 30 teams. Obviously, there's there's two LA teams. That's three Texas teams. You know what I mean? That's however. That's 30 different communities or 29, 28 communities, cities that can directly be affected by these teams. And and some of these cities have NFL and NBA in Mm -hmm. them. You know what I mean? So like I said, I really think for the owners to step up and 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 really give back to these communities because you got to think. They're building these new arenas everywhere. Although they're affording jobs to people at the same time, the, the cost, you know, with gentrification and the cost of everything, to a ticket, of the, a ticket to the game, to bring your family, to feed them there, to get some jerseys and some sweatshirts, that shit is a lot of money. So these are, they're constantly taking, people are, are, are planning their monthly budget around going to support a football game or going mm-hmm. to support a basketball game. And these owners are soaking this money up, you know, so that to me, Obviously, players give back and, and get got in these communities, but these owners that are in these, most of the time, inner cities where their arenas are and they're making all this fucking money, that's to me who needs to step up because we haven't heard them talk very much. You know, they put some money together, but like you said, sometimes it's, it's, it's more than money and, and it should be a, a lot of money because they are making it. And then we're not here to tell anybody what to do with their money because mm-hmm. it's their money and they owned it. But at the same time, if you, if, if you really want to see change, there's things you can directly do in your city to, to help bring that apart. Because one, a higher percentage of the players on their team from these areas. And two, we got to know who is directing the money. Yeah, they're giving money to certain where's charities. Where's it going? But, yeah, where's it going? But who is in control of it? You know what I mean? And that's the biggest thing. You never know who's in control of the money. And that's why it's not getting to the right places. You got to have somebody that's from these areas that know these people. That know what, yeah, that's been here, that know what areas you need to start rebuilding to make it easier to change the whole area. But if you got somebody from the outside that's never been in this area, that don't know nobody, that's never walked in the streets without their shoes, they can't give you these answers. Right. No, it's got to be more transparent. It's got to be more community outreach to get the right people into the inner circles that help try to fix the problem. That's even the same thing with policing, though. Start getting police from these cities. From these areas. Mm -hmm. So, perfect example. If if, if a kid get pulled over by a cop that grew up in that area that might know his uncle or something, say, man, I might not take you to jail. Or if I take you to jail, I'm going to call your uncle. Mm -hmm. I know I I can't handle him because I know his whole family. Mm -hmm. So the contact and the conversation is going to be different because I'm from here. But when you bring somebody that's not from this area, don't know nobody that never went to somebody's house and got a plate of food, and just come in this area, it's, it's going to be competition. Well, you like fear that. what you don't know. Right. We don't know them. They don't know us. It's fear. Crazy part I know in L.A. in particular, 
I know someone that works, you know, in, in the LAPD, and they told me, like, people don't want to work Beverly Hills and in the rich areas. They want to go to the hood for some action. Like, what kind of you want to go for some action? You know what I mean? Freaks. So it's just like, <laughs> I, I, th I think you made a great point. I think there needs to be more programs set up to where, you know, you're teaching these people. Because if they had an opportunity to go to the police academy, a lot of them will be trying to become to police. A GED. To become a B cop. And what, it's only six months of training, really? I mean, you got to train a lot longer in a lot of other fields to become a professional at what, what you do. Being a cop doesn't take that long to become. So if they gave opportunities to these underprivileged communities where they can pol not police them, I mean, they would obviously be police, but they know their surroundings. They know if there's a fight down the street, who it is. If they know if a couple shots, they know who to talk, you know what I mean? So it's just people that have those existing relationships. But when you throw, quote unquote, a white man in Compton, Mm -hmm. He's gonna be. He's. I mean, that's a scary job. And what people don't know, and, and sometimes in the black neighborhood, telling my mom is worse than taking me to jail. <laughs> I just want to let y'all know that. that Especially woman. as a teenager, yeah, because you're gonna get your ass whipped by your mom and your uncle gonna beat you. Then you might come back home and get the extension call. <laughs> so listen to me. Send telling mom is sometimes worse than taking them to jail. Like I said, this is gonna be an ongoing thing throughout this season. But let's get to a little bit of sports. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Um, the bubble to me has been great. Uh, I think as far as... It's been as, entertaining, we can say that. I think as far as creating a safe environment for these guys to come play, still get their message off, but just the level of competition has been... Two players forced me to watch The Bubble. Who? Jimmy Butler and Dame Lillard. Killers. They forced me, bro. Did you see how hard Jimmy was working during the time they was trying to figure out if they was going to go to the bubble and all that? He was working. His ass hard, hard, bro. Yeah. And it's paying off. But I knew, I, I knew Dame was, you know, was going to come out and play. But like you said, the, the, just the competition, the way guys been playing, 
I think the, the, the best part about it is they all in one spot. So like I said, it's like a, a glorified AAU tournament, but it's no fans. So the competition, I think that's why the competition is because everybody's locked in. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's no outside life. There's no going to the club. There's no hanging out. Everybody's locked in. I think that's why you're going to game seven, even with the club. Mm -hmm. The run that Dane went on was legendary. The run that Luca went on. Luca is a... We were, hey, you know the funny part? We both said the same thing without even knowing what's going on. I walked at the table. What's the first thing Luca, they need to get Luca next year? A motherfucking bodyguard. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could have been out there too. Yeah, if I was five years younger, but they need to get one of the Morris twins. But, but Luca can't be fighting his own battles. Mark Cuban, I hope you hear me. Yeah. Luca can't be fighting his own battles. I talked battles. to Rick about that. I told Rick Luca about Luca needs him a dog out there because that's the only chance you had to stop that motherfucker. You got to try to bully him. That's what we would have did. I mean, you oh, got, yeah. he's so cold, like he needs... When you can't stop him, you got to start a fight and get him <laughs> off the game. You got to try to do something. And, uh, man, we were good at that, too. We were yeah, good at that. Really good. But, but, but just to watch what he, what, what Luca did, what Dame did, what Donovan Mitchell and, and Murray went back and forth and did on some Vince and, and, and AI dropping 50 after 50 type games to see what the Lakers and LeBron are doing. To see what Jimmy's been doing. I love what the Heat have been. I picked the Heat to beat the Bucks because I finally feel like Jimmy's in a, a real leadership situation with guys that are young but not babies that were really listening and understand what kind of work he's put in in the past and how hard he leads by example. Mm -hmm. But he has all these kids playing bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. You know how Kobe used to have us playing bigger than ourselves. He has these young guns out there shooting and, and Crowder out there doing what he does. They and believe it. Drogic and along down the line. So I've loved watching Miami. Uh, Boston was my sleeper team in the East, and, and they still haven't let me down. I love Jason Tatum and, and, and Marcus Smart and, and what these guys are doing. So in the Eastern Conference, we got Boston versus Miami. We got to even though you're wearing a Boston jersey, I know you're going for Jimmy. El Bizzle. Uh-huh. El Bizzle showed me a lot of love when I was in Indiana, man. One of the goats. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with... Um, I'm going with JB, man. I can't go against Tell you. Tell me why. That's my boy. One, one, you know, I'm always rooting for the underdog. You got to mm -hmm. think my boy used to living on the street at one point. Right. So I'm always, I'm always uh, rooting for the underdog. But just the fact that he was in Philadelphia, he was a big piece to, to their puzzle, and they would have been winning this year if he would have still been there. But the fact that they tried to demean him when they cut him, I mean, when I really cut him, but didn't sign him back. And I, I, we talked. He, he was real focused on just not really... He wasn't really focused on um, going out there and just being an all-star. He was focused on winning and leading his team and bringing toughness to this team. And to see everything that he was working for during the whole time, you know, come come to life. I think that was a I'm perfect situation for him because they're a, a blue-collar, hard-type working. He's a blue-collar superstar. You know what I mean? They so grind it. You know what I mean? They're really out there playing basketball. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're out there fighting. Mm -hmm. They're out, they out there scratching like we used to play. Like mm -hmm. they, they're, they're scratching. They're I doing everything them. to win the game. And that's what scares me, too. Because I got Boston. They were my sleeper. I picked them at the beginning to be my sleeper uh, once the playoffs started. And that's the one thing because Miami is dogs. And I know that I would try to dog Jason Tatum. I try to dog Brown. You got to. I would try to dog everyone out there. They're more talented. Kimba, yeah. I don't know. But I don't know if they can. I, I think these boys are ready. They've been battle tested their first year with LeBron and them. Took a step back. The Kyrie experiment didn't work. Mm -hmm. They put Kimba in this year, and, and it's been work. I think Gordon Hayward's coming back soon. I got Boston, just like you said, they're more talented. Um, Jalen Brown. Been killing. Been killing. I like the young kid. Who's the young kid? Williams? Robert, Robert Williams. Williams. And I'm sorry, bro, I didn't even know who he was before <laughs> the bubble hit because I hadn't really been paying attention. That, that, 
He's been very impressive. Yeah. He had a big, active dog out there running, jumping, rebound, blocking shots. And he can pass. Yes. He's making some big He's plays skilled. on the pick and roll. He, yeah. could, he, could, he could really play. Yeah. I think that's a great pickup for them. But like I said, I just think you know that, that Tatum, Brown, Kimball Walker, and then Marcus Smart is that wild card because he'll fuck around. And, and he won us. Drop. Yo, he's a he dog. Us. I love Marcus Smart. He won us. He's a dog. All alley gang. He down. He, he's a dog. So we got to figure out what we betting on that series. What do you think the key to Miami winning is? Make the game grimy. Make it physical. Make it dirty. The type of game we would have to make it. When you're playing against a team that's so talented, when you have so many players that's unguardable, mm -hmm. you got to make it dirty. You got you to scrappy, you know what I'm saying? You got you to gotta get all the loose balls, like all the little stuff. You the NBA do. isn't that way anymore, though, so if they let them play that way. Well, you know, at this point, when you get to the finals let and it go a little bit lower, yeah, they let it go. You know, it's it's it's, it's been getting a little tight. You know, guys been pushing like all kinds of stuff the last couple I games. I love it. And back and forth. I think the key to Boston, Boston, is, I think their big three, Kimba, uh, Tatum, and Brown, have to average at least six together, at least mm. sixty-five or higher. Marcus Smart to be him, and then everyone else to play their role. And that's what I like about Boston. That everyone plays their role. But Smart guarding Jimmy, as does Miami. That's the one thing I like about Boston too is that everyone tries to guard. You see Tatum out there trying to guard. Brown is out there locking up. They all take on Mark. Marcus Smart is the hardest soul of that team, just like Jimmy is the hardest soul of, your, uh, yeah, of Miami. That's so gonna be good, that's gonna be a blast. We gotta figure out what we're doing. Maybe some yes, more, sir. maybe some more cush-ups. Yes, sir. Um, more cush-ups. All right, we're shooting this the day before the big game seven with uh, Denver and the Clippers. I want to forecast and talk about the Battle of LA, but we don't want to disrespect Denver. You feel, feel yeah. they, they definitely still have a shot they in game seven. Shot. You know, Clipper, we, I, I've been part of the Clippers second round curse. I'm hoping this year it breaks. What do you feel like Denver needs to do to get past the Clippers? Continue playing the game and playing the way they've been playing, I think. Clippers got to figure out how they're going to stop the, all these damn layups from Denver. No, that's what I said. I, I, I'm, I'm saying they, they get do. into the paint and laying the ball up every time, man. Every time, bro. Pick and roll. And Jokic, the best passer in the game is a big man. He just picking them apart, bro. Murray's been putting up some crazy numbers, dog. Ridiculous. He's been having some 50-point games. So if you come with a 50, 55-point game. Look out. Clipper Darrell. <laughs> like you said, the bubble has everyone focused. And something that the, the outside fans may not realize is that home court shit is real. And then big, the big lights with the, 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 the crowds screaming at you and you don't have that no more, that's a huge... That matters. Usually it, it took the mental capacity of the stars to kind of step up. But without that real home court advantage anymore, like you're really seeing you're getting the best of everybody. Some guys hitting these shots wouldn't hit them in the... No. When the arenas, 30,000 screaming in the air, no way, no it's way. It's different. I love what's going on. I love the back and forth. I love the scoring, but I don't think the common fan understands how important those the home court and that screaming-ass crowd is when you're trying to make a free throw or you're trying to hit a corner three wide open with the, with the, with the game on the line. Mm -hmm. Now it's just like playing in the gym, so it's been fun. But, you know, game seven, uh, I got to take my hat off to Denver, man. Jokic has, has proven to me to be the best big in the game. Jamal Murray is... is, 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 is is putting, you know, putting his, his, he's 10 toes down in the league. Now, I think this was kind of his coming out party. And they have just a lot of solid pieces. Yeah, Harris been hurt. He just really he getting just got back. back. I heard a rumor if they get past that Will, I don't know if they're going to get past, but Will Barton could be coming back. But Michael Porter Jr. He's playing. He's, he's been playing out there well. hooping and been outspoken. Yeah. He's been out there saying they need to move the motherfucking ball. Get yeah, cool. I feel Let it. Let me touch that. I I'm not it. mad at it. I it's different, it. though, like because I think Jason Williams from ESPN, or someone said something that this shouldn't have been something that came to the media, and I completely agree. Back in our day, it wouldn't, but it's a new age, and everyone, everything is for everybody now. I feel him, bro. Listen. You missed the whole year. 
doing back surgery. All they want to do is bro, like, you still got to pay your dues, bro. You can't you, you can't just show up and when we yoke and Jamerb and and uh, Harris been carrying this team all the time. You want to show up because you have a game where you dunk on somebody. One play, bro. One shot. Slow your roll, young fella. You got a lot to prove because what nobody on your team is telling you. The Clippers picking on him. Whoever whoever he guarding, ISO. So you got to get your deep. It's a lot. It's a lot you don't see that your coaches see, young fella. Trust me, I've been there. Popovich did the same thing to me. Slowly I like. Roll. I like it though. I like his energy, his enthusiasm. But like I said, it's definitely a lot more to learn. I think he's very talented. You know, the Clippers, on the other hand, and I said this, it was not going to be pretty. It was going to be an ugly situation the whole way along. Grind. You know, now we see Game Seven. Another thing that I think people don't take in consideration is, you know, Paul George came out and, and, and talked about his mental health in the bubble. You know, being isolated from his family and, and locked off from the world. I talked to Chris Paul, and he said he had trouble leaving the bubble and kind of getting back acclimated because they've been locked down for, you know, over 60 days. Now it's, it's obviously been fr- longer since I talked to Chris, but he said he had problems sleeping when he got home. He woke up in, in a panic sweat. So, like, I don't think we consider everything that's been going on in the world and these guys have been doing what they can do to, to, to be a part of the society and, and the social justice push and still entertain and play basketball. But just that mental of just not being able to see, I can imagine not being able to see my son Ashton for Two months, two and a half months. You not seeing your kids and kind of just being locked out and isolated. I know a lot of people would rather be in the bubble than be where they at right now. So I don't feel sorry for none of them. <laughs> you, I don't, bro. I don't feel for none of them. Y'all in the bubble. Y'all in a nice place. Y'all got food. Y'all good. Some of y'all got tree in there. Some of y'all smoking tree in there. Okay, so y'all got everything y'all need in there. It ain't. It can't be that damn bad. Bro. But it's just different. Like you said, it's just that that mental approach. You know how you have to be all the way locked in to to, to be able to perform the best you can perform. You know what I mean? So if you're not all the way locked in, because I've never been. I mean, I've never been. You got to think. We have money. We always have been able to move and do and do whatever we want. You can't do that no more. So although it's still a lot better than the world circumstances, I'm just saying for players, it's just a different approach and mentality that they kind of have to conquer. Me personally, if I'm in the bubble and I can't do nothing, knowing the lifestyle I live, I would have been way more focused. I wouldn't have been in another place because I'm sitting here focused on I can't do nothing else. It's just like you're in jail. Why everybody gets swole when they go to jail? Ain't nothing else to do but lift weights. So if you're in the bubble, you shouldn't be focused about nothing else. You, it, you shouldn't be not focused on basketball because that's all you're here to do. There's nothing else to do in here. Well, I, didn't, I didn't get that side of it. I mean, yeah, you're going to miss your family, but shit. You gone half the season, half the year, traveling away from your family. So what you talking about two months? I didn't get it. Sorry. Five didn't get it. I'm looking ahead to the Clippers beat Denver. I hope this ages well. And we have the Battle of L.A. in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, I like you, uh, you had the Lakers winning it. I had the Clippers yeah, winning it. Yeah, and you're going to owe me some money in, in, in a minute. The Battle of L.A., you still feel the same way? I'm not changing. I told you the, the dynamic of LeBron and AD we've never seen. We've never seen. And look where we at. Who else has to step up for them, though, moving forward? Well, as Rondo playing well. But the, but the supporting the supporting cast is so unpredictable. Danny Green. He's supposed to be a three-point shooter. He's struggling. Rondo is really the third option right now. Yes. They're not playing Swish. They're not mm-hmm. playing Deion Waiters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about that style against the Clippers. That's all I was asking. Yeah, that's, I don't know. Giannis and the Bucks. what do you see there? I'm not surprised. Bro, we know this. Regular season and playoffs is too. We'll let Man. you do all that. Mm, mm, mm. All the, but Trav, we'll let you do all that in regular season. 
In the playoffs, we're going to put wall. nine people right here and make you pass the ball, bro. Wall around you. You're not going to shoot it. You couldn't hit a house if you was in the kitchen. So we're just going to make you do the things that you don't want to do. And your teammates are not used to making shots and carrying the team. So they're just not going to pick up and carry the team in the playoffs. I knew that was going to happen, bro. He has to leave. He has to leave, bro. Nobody's going to Milwaukee. Nobody's I've been there. I played there. Nobody. And I, and I, was, I only played a couple games. I was trying to get traded. I, I, actually, Matt. I told him I was. I didn't stop going to games. I just stayed at home until they traded me. That's how bad it was there. Then. I remember that's when me and Kobe came out there. You weren't even. You no, weren't even I was in the happy to see you yeah. and Kobe though. You weren't even in the arena though. Matt, the only person night. I know, rest in peace, Kobe. He had Kobe in the club, bro. Yeah, but in, in, in Milwaukee, all in Milwaukee. Places. But that's the one fucked up part about Milwaukee is they're not going to attract any major free agents. They're not going to get a guy's not going to say, right. hey, I want to go play Giannis in Milwaukee. That's not going to fucking happen. So, do you think he stays or leaves? I think he leaves. Oof. I mean, they can say that he always follows, unfollows his teammates, and mm -hmm. I think he's going to leave because the opportunities that he has now has never been thrown at him. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think he cares that much about being on the same team with his brothers and like that. I think he wants to win. I think he honestly wants to win. And he has other situations that's going to put him in a better situation. Give me three teams you think. Golden State, Miami, and Dallas. I want to see Devin Booker. Him and Luka? I want to see Devin Booker go to Dallas. Dallas has enough money. They can mm -hmm. get another third. Mm -hmm. They can get rid of some of them chumps they got over there. <laughs> Thanks. The Nets signed Steve Nash. Yeah, I mean. Hey, coach, I think there, there was some initial backlash about white privilege and opportunity, and this ties back into the political climate that we're in and mixed with sports. What do you feel about a Hall of Famer taking that job uh, with the Nets? I would rather it be Steve Nash, a two-time MVP, then a guy that they go find in the film room and just give him a job like they've been doing. Mm -hmm. So, this, you know, it, obviously it was, it's, not, it's a lot of black guys that, that was qualified for the job that could have got it. But it's other teams the same way. But if, if a white guy had to get a job first time coaching, being in a great situation because they don't normally put black coaches in good situations yeah, like that, nah. I would rather be Steve Nash because he knows the game. And then every black person, everybody in the league loves respect, Steve Nash. He's one of us. So if it, it had to be anybody, it had to be Steve Nash. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. You know, obviously right. he had ties with KD going back. He was a, you know, a special assistant with Golden State. So I think it's going to be a great situation. I agree with you. Normally, a black coach would be given an opportunity like that, but I didn't. The only reason why I'm even saying that now is because I think everyone else brought it up. But to me, it's just about who who you feel is going to comfortably run your organization. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like I said, Steve Nash had ties to Sean Marks, mm -hmm. who's the GM, and then obviously ties with Kevin Durant. So I'm sure Kevin and, and, and Kyrie had to stamp it, which they did. And, and having, like you said, a two-time Hall of Fame or two-time MVP Hall of Fame player. Leading your team is is always a good move. And it's Stephen A. Smith. You said I stayed with Steve Nash. I've never lived with Steve Nash in my life, bro. What happened? I didn't hear it. He was saying uh, he was trying to make a disclaimer before he came out with it was white privilege, and he said and even uh, he did a lot. Even Stephen Jackson, uh, Stephen Jackson stayed with him. I've never stayed with Steve Nash, Stephen A. Smith. So get your facts right. You do a lot of blabbering on TV. Make sure you get it right, bro. I've never stayed with Steve Nash. That's my big bro. He was there when I got drafted, but I never lived with him. I had to clear that up. Look like I'm going around living with motherfuckers everywhere. I ain't homeless. <laughs> now, your favorite coach in the NBA, Mike D'Antoni. D'Antoni. Uh, decides to walk away from uh, Houston. Thoughts about that? Man, listen. 
You, it was, it's best to walk away sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's best just to walk away so you won't get fired. They can say that it was going to bring it back. Come on, man. He, I said this and from the last three years. Even when he first got the job, I said he's an offensive coach. James Harden don't need to be coached on offense. He's the best, one of the best scorers ever. You need a defensive coach. You need a coach that's going to hold these guys accountable. They don't have that, and that's why they're still in the position they're in. So I'm happy he's gone because now James can probably get somebody in there that's not patting him on the back all the time, that's going to hold him accountable, make him play defense, make him play harder, make him look like he care more about the game than just caring about scoring. Now, do you think a new coach can handle that type of roster from a standpoint that it's built to play a certain type of basketball? The right coach, a Van Gundy, a right, the right coach, where you're going to force these players, like a Popovich, I don't care who on that team, Jordan can be on that team. When I come in here, if you don't buy into what this team is doing, you're gone. You know what I'm saying? That's the type of coach they need. And James is going to respect that, too, because he want to win, but he wants somebody to hold him accountable. If you let him walk in there with them little small shorts and walk in there like he don't care about the game and just go in there scoring and not caring about it, he's going to continue to do that. But when you pull him in that locker room and say, look, bro, this is where we at. You need to be the same for some defense. Your attitude needs to change. You need to pick up your attitude. You know what I'm saying? You need to show you care more. When you come at him like that and let him know you're behind him 110%, hopefully they'll transfer through the team. You ain't got to say that with Russ. You just got to calm Russ down. You know what I'm saying? You got to just work on the little things with Russ' game. But you need Russ, him and Russ, to be the energy. You need them to be vocal. You need them to be more coachable. You know what I mean? And I think that, that would change the team. But D'Antoni is definitely getting him out of there. It's definitely a great step. <laughs> Good job, Houston. Who would you see? Who do you see? In, and you mentioned Van Gundy. No, nah, I, just, I just threw his name out there. Mark Jackson is out there. Ty Lue. Mike Brown, still. You know, that's my guy. I'm always throw him out there. But like I said, to me, I think that's obviously you're inheriting Johnson and Russ. Chauncey Billups. I thought he's, he's trying to, he trying to go nah, to the offensive he, coach. He just said uh, recently. Coach? He just said, well, it came with, with this thing that if, if Steve Nash can get a job that easy, then I might as well try for That's what he said. He might as well come out. That, that's what the article said. I'm not mad at it. You know, we touched on, obviously, during this, the, the, this process of what we feel like the NBA can and, and hopefully will do um, post-bubble. Mm -hmm. And one thing you touched on and we thought was important is just be out there and mm -hmm. about. Uh, show your face. You know, obviously everyone is doing, just because it's not publicized, I mean, people aren't doing uh, doing stuff. People are definitely out there doing stuff. But just be touchable. You know what I mean? Like I said, put ourselves, we were, we were lucky to make it out, but we come from these same areas and, and could have been these same t uh, statistics if it wasn't for, you know, someone helping us out. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think, you know, being in these communities, giving people hope, because in your community, you look up to, to the people on the corner, because that's all you ever see, you know, to, so to be able to get these athletes to come in and business people to come in and be touchable, be accessible. I think that is, that is going to be a huge step. But overall, like I said, I think it's important for the NBA owners to really put some money where their mouth is because they're, they're not using their mouth. Put some money in that shit and help these cities out. I agree. That's a wrap for episode 44. It's good to be back, bro. Always. Man, stay tuned. Season two, we promise you, will be even more exciting. Epic. Amazing guests. A wide variety of topics, but this was the welcome back episode, so we hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the smoke on Showtime Basketball YouTube, and we have a new audio partner. Thank you to iHeart for jumping on board. We're excited. Fasten your seatbelts. Season two is coming at you. All of it. Two world champions, they happen to be twin brothers. Well, the ingredients are there. Two guys who love to sit down to their punches and throw.
throw that firepower. I'm not scared of nobody, and I'm definitely not scared of someone who talks. There's no one in the division that can beat me. There's no one in the division that's strong as me. It would definitely deliver a statement. The power is for real. They would get a chance to let everyone in the world see the great things that me and my twin brother has done for the sport of boxing. Being on the same car gives us energy. We, we want to be sharp. We want to be at our best. We're going to both meet in the middle of the ring and we're going to let our hands go. Let the best men win. They are boxing. And they pound for pound. This is All a Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories.